Thank you for being here on this Palm Sunday. It is exciting to be able to be in church, especially on a special day like today. And we're going to be taking our text from the book of St. Matthew. If you will, turn your Bibles with us to St. Matthew chapter 21. St. Matthew chapter 21. By the way, if you do not have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. We'll make sure, Brother Stephen, make sure you have one. We want everyone to have an outline of the sermon. And uh, we'll begin. Now, this text is taken is from the 21st chapter book of St. Matthew. But you'll find this story or find this account also in all four Gospels, whether it's Luke, I mean, whether it's Mark chapter 11, Luke chapter 19, and it's also covered by St. John in chapter 12. So it, it, is a, it is a powerful, powerful occasion that is taking place. And so I hope you'll follow me, and, and if you have a pencil or pen, keep, uh, uh, write some notes down on your, your uh, outline, because it, I believe the Lord's speaking to us today concerning this great occasion. The Bible says in the beginning of the first chapter of the book of uh, uh, Matthew chapter 21, it, it, it just speaks to our hearts. Before I do that, I want to continue. Brother Larry did such a wonderful job while the whole offering and everything. But I want to reiterate the importance of this coming Thursday. Uh, first of all, this coming Wednesday, as he's already stated, there will be no adult Bible study. The youth will be meeting the Royal Rangers and also Impact. The girls will be meeting and, and also the youth will be meeting this coming Wednesday night here at the church. Okay, so there will be activity here at the church with the youth, with the children. Uh, but then Thursday, we will have a gathering of a number of pastors and ministers and, and ministries. And so we encourage you to come to uh, Club Boulevard. It's very easy to find. It's between 9th Street and Hillendale Road. And it's called the Mosaic Church. The Mosaic Church. It's a, it's a traditional-looking uh, church. And uh, we want you to be there, uh, ready to go at 7 o'clock. We go from 7 to, to 8.30, one hour and a half. And it is power-packed. There's a lot that's going to be going on. Three people are going to speak. You get 25 and 30 pastors and ministers together. Brother Don, we're going to be there at 12 o'clock. No, no. The three that's going to speak has 10 minutes apiece. Then we'll have a great choir that has two songs. And uh, one of the main things that's going to take place is communion. And we really look forward to Listen, wouldn't it be great for all the city of Durham to come together around the Lord's table? That's a wow. That's a wow. Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Pentecostals, Charismatics, Blacks, Whites, Hispanics. I mean, everybody coming together as one, though that's the way it should be anyway. And so we trust that you'll be there. And the bus will leave here at 6.30. And uh, we'll leave in time enough to be over there and get settled in and be much in prayer about this. St. Matthew chapter 21, beginning with verse 1. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, on the other side of you, 
and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt. So a donkey in the foal with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he, we, uh, he will send them, period. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, the king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Then they brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitudes said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Father, add your blessings to the reading of your word. Speak to our hearts concerning the truth. And as the seed falls into our lives and our hearts, may it bring forth much fruit. Give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Notice your introduction on your page. Today we celebrate Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. Christians around the world recognize Palm Sunday as the day Jesus made his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. On this day, prophecy was fulfilled. The prophet Zechariah had recorded this event some 400, someone said 500 years earlier. The Lord orchestrated the events of his ministry in Jerusalem in detail. And what this is speaking of is he telling his disciples, two of them, to go untie the donkey and bring the donkey and its coat to me. But he orchestrated the events of his ministry in Jerusalem in detail. Not only that, but much of what happened. As a sovereign king, he left nothing to chance, but prepared each detail so as to culminate his ministry with majestic fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. Matthew 21 begins the final week of the life of Jesus Christ. What a week. What a week. And what a week for us now, because this begins, and then it will culminate with Easter next Sunday. And by the way, I've listened to the songs that this choir is going to be singing next Sunday. They will bless you. These songs that they have selected are so anointed and so power-packed with the Word of God. And this choir, I believe, will just minister to you. So next Sunday, as Brother Larry says, please bring someone with you. Culminating in Easter. But it begins with Jesus riding into Jerusalem. But let's notice, number one, as we look at why Jesus is called for silence. And we'll notice Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 30. 
Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Then notice verse 30. Look at it with me. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. That catches my attention. Why? I mean, he's drilling them. He's asking them, who do men say that I am? I mean, he was very popular during that time and multitudes gathered around him and he asked them and they said well some say that you're Elijah others say that you're a prophet but then he wanted to know specifically who do you say that I am and I think he would ask that question today for every one of us or to every one of us who do we say he is look at verse 31 and 33 and this follows what he just said this is in the same, same chapter. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and, he re, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Now notice this, this very occasion where it says, Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked to his Disciples, he rebuked Peter. Jesus is now rebuking Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. There's a reason why Jesus told his disciples, not only his disciples, but others, if he would heal somebody, often he would say, Now don't go tell no one about this. Don't reveal or tell what has happened. Look at Matthew 16 and 20. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. I mean, I thought that's the reason he came. Was to reveal who he was to the world. But throughout his three plus Three years plus ministry, he would tell the people, don't say anything about it. Look at verse 21. Well, I didn't, I didn't read. Uh, but he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Now, why did he do this? Why did he tell people not to say who he was? First of all, look at number one. The disciples do not yet understand the identity of Jesus. You remember the storm on the boat? Look at verse 41 of, of, of Mark 1, of, of Mark 4, of what it says. It says, and they feared exceedingly. This is after he calmed the storm and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? They didn't understand him. They were with him every day. They saw the miracles. They heard his teaching. But then they asked the question, who is this? You know, you've been around this person day after day after day, week after week after week, and then all of a sudden, who, who, is, who are we with? 
They didn't understand him. Second of all, misunderstanding of his identity and his work. And in 652 of uh, of Mark, the Amplified says, because they had not understood the miracle. And this is after, after another miracle. The miracle of the loaves, how it revealed the power and deity of Jesus. But in fact, their heart was hardened, being oblivious. And indifferent to his amazing work. Not only did they, they not understand him. They didn't understand what he was doing. And when he would perform miracles. And when he would do all of these things. They'd scratch their head and say. What's going on? They could not. They did not perceive who Jesus was. The apostles were especially confused. About his need to suffer. Look at Mark 8.33. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples. He rebuked Peter. And this is going back to what we just said. Said get behind me Satan. For you are not mindful of the things of God. But the things of men. Other words when he talked about. They're going to come and take me. And I'm going to suffer. And really I'm going to die. Peter and the disciples and the apostles. Could not grasp that. You see, they thought Jesus was going to lead them out from under the bondage of of Rome. They thought Jesus was going to be the king here on this earth. They did not understand Jesus. Neither did they understand his mission. Neither did they understand his work. They were having a hard time understanding it. Jesus knew that his identity is beyond human understanding. It is revealed only through and by the Holy Spirit. You see, the disciples are to wait on making the proclamation concerning the Messiah until they understand all that it truly means. Mark chapter 9, verse 9. Now, as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things they had seen till the Son of Man has risen from the dead. You know what this occasion was? You know what this mountain was? Listen to me. It was the mountain of transfiguration. Now these three disciples had gone with Jesus up on this mountain. And during this time, Jesus Christ himself was transfigured. His, his garment glowed. His face glowed. Not only did, was Jesus transfigured, but there appeared with him Moses and Elijah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine this experience? You ever, you ever bought a car and wanted folks to look at it? You ever bought a new house and wanted to tell somebody about it? When you got that engagement ring, did you want folks to see it? I mean, think of the greatest thing that ever happened to you and you can't tell it. They were there on this mountain and 
They saw Moses and Elijah and Jesus was transfigured and they were so impressed and so uh, moved by it. They fell on their face and they could not even look up and they start down the mountain after this great experience. And Jesus said, time out, guys, don't say anything about it. Did I hear him right? I can't tell what I just experienced. Can you imagine what we'll look like? Can you imagine the great feeling that we'll have? Jesus said, don't say anything about it. Why? Why? Jesus, let me say it again. He knew that his identity was beyond and is beyond human understanding. It is revealed only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirits. You see, Jesus Christ wanted his disciples and his followers to have more than just a surface experience and understanding of who he is and who he was. You said, This is amazing. Well, it's happening today. People go to church. There'll be millions of people that'll go to church today, and they won't know who Jesus is. They have no idea. All they know about Jesus, most of them believe that he really lived and he died. They know about his word. They may even read his word. But let me ask you something. How many people really and truly know in depth in a relationship with Jesus Christ? How many people look beyond the surface of all that's happening, we see, the, we see the church, we see the pews, we shake hands with people, we sing the songs, and we hear the message, and we, if we're not careful, we'll walk out the door and not have that understanding, that deep relationship and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Woo! It is important... That we know him. Also, if Jesus, here's another reason that he did not want them to say anything about it. Also, if Jesus publicly proclaimed the Messiahship or his Messiahship, he would have to put himself at immediate risk before the Romans. Listen at me. This would have been a direct affront to their power. If he'd said, I'm the Messiah, I am king. Look what would have happened. And then number seven, Jesus' primary mission was not to topple the physical kingdom of Rome, but to bring spiritual salvation. In other words, public disclosure of who he was would have put him at risk with Rome then. Not only that, not only that, but Jesus came to minister to people. And if the people really knew who he he was while he was physically on this earth, yes, he had crowds, but there there would have been such a crowd and people would have been gathered around him so much, he would not have reached out and touched Barnabas. He would not have reached out and touched the person that had leprosy. The woman that had the issue of blood even had a problem getting to him and she had to push her way through the crowd even to get to him to touch the hem of his garment. If people had really known 
How many people could have gotten to him? In fact, he could have been trampled to death. And so there were several reasons why Jesus told his disciples, don't make it known yet. It's not time. I'm not revealing my Messiahship yet. But then the day came that the, the day came that he would. And it's the day we celebrate. These past three years, no one could tell it. Oh, he'd tell the blind man, don't say anything about it. As soon as he got away from him, he broadcast it everywhere. There were some that did. But now it's time. Listen to what John says in John chapter 12, verse 23. But Jesus answered them saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. I think that hour is here now, don't you? The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. It's it's time. And what I want you to do, guys, I want you to do some things that's mundane. I want two of you to go downtown or go to this street and you'll find a donkey tied there with its foal, with its coat. I I, I want you to Untie him and bring him to me. A donkey. Not a white, black stallion, but a donkey. And by the way, if anyone asks you, what are you doing untying that donkey? You tell them that the Lord, the only time that that word Lord is used in that measure is right there. You tell them the Lord has need of him. And they did exactly what Jesus had said, do. They got to the donkey. They began to untie the donkey. The owner said, hey, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What are you doing taking my donkey? In a way, it looked like they were stealing. And they turned to the man and said, the master has need. Of this donkey. That's fine. You go ahead. And on Sunday morning. The offering plate will pass. And, and, and we'll sit there. with, and, and we'll say. Oh I don't, I don't. What are you doing trying to get my money? What are you doing taking up too many offerings? What are you doing asking me to go on Horton Road? What are you doing asking me to come on Wednesday night to pray? What are you doing all about all? the Lord? Has need. The Lord needs you, and he's calling you, and he's asking you. We need to be like the donkey owner and say, okay, Lord, you want me to go, I'm going. You want me to preach, I'll preach. You need me to testify, I'll testify. You need my time, I want to be somewhere else, I want to be doing something else. My chair is calling me at home, or I want to go to this activity, that activity. What do you mean, Lord, asking me to do this? I got things to do, places to go, I'm busy. God has need of you. Are we going to be saying, like he said, I'll go. 
Lord, you call me to go. I'll go. I need to be over yonder. This is mine. I'll raise this donkey from, from a small coat, and, and, and this is mine. I can do with it what I want to do, and I don't want no man taking my donkey. He said, you go ahead and take him. If the master, if the Lord has need of him, you take him. And so they took the donkey and brought him back to Jesus. Here comes the king. The time for Jesus to be revealed is now. And I hope we as a congregation will hear this over and over in our hearts and say for the the time of Jesus' revelation is now. Our lives need to be a testimony and reveal who Jesus Christ is. Our words need to reveal who Jesus Christ is. It is time. The final week of Jesus' life on this earth had come. It was no longer time to keep silent, but to lift your voice. And it's time the church stops keeping silence and lift its voice and say, Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God. It needs that. It needs that. We need to hear that. The moment to openly demonstrate his messiahship was at hand. They loose the donkey. They bring it to him. They take their clothes and they put it on the two donkeys. He rides one of them. They set Jesus Christ on it. And here he comes riding into Jerusalem. Not on a stallion. Not on a white horse. But on a lowly, meek donkey. The crowd swelling Jerusalem for a Passover week has been estimated to be about two and a half million people. And during New Testament times, it was customary for a king to enter a city riding on a horse. Some rode donkeys, but here Jesus said, I'm riding on an animal that symbolizes meekness. That symbolizes peace. The donkey was chosen. In other words, it was a good way to talk about being subjected. Jesus Christ came as a servant. Jesus Christ came, as already been stated from this pulpit, to die on a cross. He was not ruling Israel as they thought he should They thought he would be a warrior. They thought he would deliver them from the Romans. But Jesus Christ came to reveal himself for the salvation of mankind. Jesus' orchestration of these final events was to fulfill an Old Testament prophecy. Zechariah 9 and 9. I love this prophecy. Read it with me. Zechariah 9 and 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king. How many of you know he's our king today? Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and he having salvation. Lowly and riding on a donkey. A colt, the foal of a donkey. At least 400 years prophesied that he would come this way. What a great prophecy. What a great occasion. What certainly a great day this would take. It is now the closing period of his ministry. And here he comes. He don't look like a conqueror. 
He don't look like a king. And to the world, he doesn't look like a king even today. We present him as Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. But they say, oh, he don't look like a king. There's nothing to this this way of life. There's nothing to this Jesus. There's nothing to this Christianity. That's what many people say. But I'll tell you, he's still king of kings. And he is still Lord of lords. The time of his revelation has come. But let me tell you something. It's already also been stated today. He will no longer ride a donkey but he will ride a white horse. Revelation chapter 19. Tighten your seatbelts. Beginning with verse 11. John the Revelator says, Then I saw an angel... Wait a minute. Chapter 19 verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, what? A donkey, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name, I love this, written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies, that's me and you and the host of heaven. The armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean. White and clean followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God. And he has, and he has, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Let's lift your hand and say, thank you, Lord, for this promise. Thank you, Lord, that you're coming again. Thank you, Lord, you're coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let men deny him. Let them blaspheme him. Let them reject him. Let them shake their fist in the face of God. But Jesus Christ will come again with the saints of God that has gone before him in the rapture. Hallelujah. And after the marriage supper of the Lamb, when Israel is about to be defeated, here comes the one riding on a white horse. Lessons learned. The king with authority said, go find and bring. He told the disciples to go find this donkey 
and bring it to him. You know, it doesn't matter how, how unseemingly it might be. It doesn't matter how far-fetched it might be with us. When Jesus tells us to do something, that doing will be successful. They were successful because they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. I've already mentioned the Lord has need of him. People say all sorts of things about Jesus, yet do they really believe it? When he rode into Jerusalem, those people didn't really know who he was. In fact, if you look at the last part of it, they said, the last part of, of, of Matthew chapter 21, they asked, who is this? And they said, this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Let me tell you who this is. Yes, this is a prophet. This is Jesus the prophet, but he's more than a prophet. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the prophet Samuel. He's greater than the prophet Elijah and Elisha. Oh, he's greater than King Solomon. He's greater than King David. He's greater than anyone that's ever lived before him. He's greater than all before him. And that all would be after him. This is none other than Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. An emotional reaction, and that's what that was. Because some of the very people that were singing Hosanna to him that day, some of those very people are the ones that crucified him or said crucify him the next few days. An emotional reaction to Jesus Christ and even a mental agreement as to his person falls short of a dedicated saving faith which results in obedience. I'm going to read that sentence again because it is a powerful sentence. Because people say that he's Lord, but do they obey him? People have a mental consent of knowing about Jesus Christ. But listen to what it says again. An emotional reaction to Jesus Christ and even a mental agreement as to his person falls short of a dedicated saving faith which results in obedience to Jesus Christ. You love him? You say he's, he's truly Jesus the King? He's truly my Lord? Then you will obey him. You will follow him. Notice the last sentence I have on this page, and here it goes. Jesus presents himself as a humble king, and he waits your and my decision. What will your decision be? What will your reaction be? Will you laud him one day and deny him the next day? Will you praise him one day and curse him the next day? Or is he truly the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Do we recognize him as just another man or just another prophet or someone from Galilee or someone from Nazareth? Or is he really our Lord, our King, our soon coming King? Ask yourself that question. Do I recognize him today as King of kings and Lord of lords?